we're in week five of our series in Jonah, um, a story of God's overcoming grace. And Jonah, as, as we've seen so far, is an interesting prophet because he often rebels, um, at least in the first two chapters, um, against what God's been telling him to do. And so as we've seen so far, you know, right, when, right from the get-go when he gets his calling, he's like, nope, I am not going to Nineveh. I am going far, far away from them because they are enemies. I hate them, and I could care less about their salvation. And so he runs, and then God says, nope, that's not happening. And he ends up sending a storm, and, and through the storm, uh, Jonah ends up going overboard because he knows ultimately that's the, the only thing um, that could uh, calm the sea, or at least, you know, turning back. But he's, he's trying to take a deep dive, I think, to um, continue to, to run from his calling. And then this fish swallows him up, the, this fish that God commissions. And as we saw last week that, that Adam talked about, while, while there, um, Jonah cries out. As we saw, God hears us, he remembers us, and he gives us our salvation. And this morning, we're going to take a look at this one thing, this one idea, this one truth that's found in Scripture time and time again. Redemption is for you. It's your story, and it's my story. It's not over yet. And some of you right now maybe feel like, like you're in the belly of a fish, similarly to Jonah. It's dark, disgusting, smelly, and you feel like it's all over. But God's not giving up on you. He loves you, and he gives you another chance. If God was willing to give Jonah another chance, he's willing to give you another chance as well. So before we go in, I want to take some time to pray um, before we, we, we dive into the story today. So God, I just thank you for uh, the opportunities we have to serve you from a week-to-week basis. Um, I thank you that we can come together as community and get to worship you. And, and learn more about you. And so I pray, Jesus, that we do that today, that we learn more and more of how redemption is our story and how we can use that to glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at a lot of verses. So if you could just go ahead, turn to Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. That's where we're going to start uh, today. We're going to see what happens after he um, gets out of the belly of a fish. So this is what it says. And if, if uh, you have the Bible app, the YouVersion app, you can um, get all of the notes that we have um, that, that are going to be displayed on the screen. Um, also, like all the scriptures, so if you don't necessarily have a Bible, that's a place to, to go to be able to connect with that. So Jonah 2, starting with verse 10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's the long scripture. And I, I know what some of you are thinking, like, super life-changing, right? Like, like as you walk by the dorm room or, or someone's apartment, you know, that's, that's definitely going to be canvassed, right? Then, then the Lord sent the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And the simple answer I have of why this is important is grace is messy. Grace is messy. When Jesus went to the cross, we're often painted this, this picture 
of how beautiful and sweet and amazing it was when Jesus went to the cross. Like, it's this amazing masterpiece. And while some degree that, that is true, right? Like, like that is true um, because Jesus paid that high price for us. But at the same time, it was, he was brutal, brutally sacrificed. He was brutally, um, brutally beaten, made fun of, spit on, and, and, and shamefully hung on a cross. The cross was messy, and grace is messy. Jonah was puke. Like, how beautiful is that? It's not. It's disgusting. But what happens after is amazing. Jonah was given another chance after facing the dark depths of the fish. And Jesus paid the price of death for us so that we have another shot at redemption. If you're like me, it's easy to stay stuck in the belly of the fish, right? It's often in this place of darkness that shame and guilt speak over and over again to me. I hear these words fairly often, but not always, but fairly often, that, that is shame and guilt. You're pathetic. You're a loser. How can you say you're a campus minister after doing that? What would your wife say if she knew you reacted that way? Why do you call yourself a Christian if you keep falling into the same traps over and over again? How many of you have heard something similar? All of us, right? Because it's shame, guilt, regret, and sin, and the enemy speaking those lies to us. When I think of those shame questions, and I think of like, What's going on in my life? Often the causes are when I take control. And, and like, you know, sometimes we do take control, but like when I truly try to force my own control onto something. Why? Because the lust for power is there for me. I'm a prideful person in need of lessons on humility constantly. I put too big of standards on myself that no normal person can achieve. And when I don't reach those goals, I take my seat I've reserved in the belly of the fish of darkness. Often the belly of the whale is dark and where shame and guilt live, but the good news is we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there. Repentance is the way out. Now, I want to tell you a story um, about a time when I was a camp counselor because I think it, it's, you know, it's not like this super deep, dark thing that happened, but it's something that I think is easy, easily relatable in, in the way of repentance. And so I was a camp counselor at, at a, a camp called Flat Rock. Does anybody know, like, Flat Rock, St. Paul area um, in Indiana? Yeah, a couple people, a couple people. Probably haven't heard of this camp, but it's like this little group, this little camp that's, like, hidden in, in uh, St. Paul, Flat Rock area. I lived there, like, like, 15 minutes away my, you know, my first 18 years of my life, and I had no idea it was there. So um, it's this little, little camp, but it was an awesome camp. Um, and, and it was in my second summer there. I was, I was working the big giant swing that was connected to the, the alpine climbing tower that was there. Um, if you've been to Hilltop and we've done our fall retreats going to the, to the campground, there's a giant swing there. It was very similar to that. Anyways, um, so, you know, if, if you've done it before, you know that, um, like, the participants hooked into a couple different ropes. Um, one is for the, everybody else to, like, you know, drag 
so the person can be lifted up. And there's usually like a little rope that the participant holds on to, to to stay connected. And then once they've reached, you know, the height, they'll let go of that rope and then like they'll start, you know, swinging. A big giant swing, you know, that's like 40 feet in the air. And it's, it's a lot of fun um, getting to swing that high. Um, but sometimes, because we had the climbing tower really close, that little rope would get caught in the climbing tower. And so afterwards, like, you know, we would, we would have to climb to get that rope um, to be able to keep on, keep on going. Um, we had a couple spares, but, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't um, strange for all the spares to, to go on the tower. So usually we'd have someone set up the, the climbing portion to be able to, to get that extra rope. Um, so, as, as I, I said before, it was my second summer, so I was kind of overseeing things because I had done it the, pretty much the whole summer before. So I was kind of, you know, the, the lead facilitator, and I thought that I could trust the other guy that I was doing it with to um, lead the giant swing while I got the climbing area set up. And so um, I was starting to get the climbing, everything seemed to be going well, started getting the climbing set up, and then all of a sudden I just hear, boom! And the guy forgot to move the ladder that they used to get up, to, to get hooked in. And so this, this girl that was on it, um, literally like full speed ahead, smashed into it. And I mean, the ladder was down in seconds, the ladder was almost broken, and luckily the girl only, only, you know, she only got like a few bruises, maybe a small cut, um, but that was, that was it, and thankfully that was, that was it. But when it happened, I knew immediately what had happened. I was just, oh, you've gotta be kidding me, you've gotta be kidding me, you've gotta be kidding me. Because I was technically the person on watch, and I knew that this, this kind of fell, this kind of fell on me. Um, and so, um, throughout the rest of the rest of that clinic, and until like afterwards, I, I kept saying, saying in my head, "I'm getting fired. Camp's getting sued because of me." I knew I shouldn't have let him handle it, but I thought I, I thought I could trust him. I thought everything would work fine. Um, and thankfully, I was not stupid and tried to hide what was going on. I went to one of the directors immediately, told them the whole situation, what had happened. I thought I was toast. But the director that I talked to was surprisingly not steamed at all. She was, she was glad that I came to her, was honest with what happened with the situation. She was glad that I came forth right away so that we could start, you know, like all the uh, paperwork that comes when an, like an injury like that happens. And, and, and because I feel like I expressed this guilt and shame of something that I knowingly did that I shouldn't have, I was given another chance. I wasn't taken off of, um, you know, the climbing um, things that, that I enjoyed um, to, to be put on some of the other clinics that, that you know, weren't, weren't my thing. Um, and honestly, like, like through that, it, it e eventually led me into even more of the adventure programs at Flat Rock. And, and so I tell this story because if we're to seek redemption and repentance, we need to cry out to God like Adam talked about last week. Guilt and shame only go away when we talk about it with Jesus, when we work through those problems. We can't just hide them away and, and hope that, that they don't return. 
because eventually, because we haven't worked through them, eventually they will come back and we'll be in the fish again, sitting in the darkness. And the love of Jesus brings redemption. So we should go to him. Grace is messy. Jonah could have drowned, but God sent a fish. Jonah could have stayed in the fish of darkness, and we can too. But instead, Jonah was a messy masterpiece, puked out by the fish, and the same goes for us. Jonah's story wasn't over yet. And the awesome thing is, yours isn't over yet too. Mine's not over yet either. And I have three things that I think that help us to live um, in redemption. The first is to be grateful. We should be grateful that we have another shot. In some businesses, when you make a huge mistake, you almost get fired immediately. But we should be grateful that God continues to use us. We should be grateful that it's not a one-and-done thing. Like, you know, if, if, if it was a one-and-done thing, like, like I, I would have been, been toast by the time I was, like, three years old because I, I know the things I did as a little kid and um, did not make my parents happy. Um, so thank God that we have chance after chance that he gives us redemption. It only happens through Jesus. So we should be grateful that time and time again that he forgives us, that he loves us, trusts us, and he redeems us. I think in this moment... Jonah, while he was puke, was grateful that God gave him another shot. He didn't die. He was no longer in the belly of the fish. And he was able to see the light of day again. He was redeemed from the darkness. And when you're redeemed from darkness, it leads you to being thankful and grateful. You know that feeling when like, like you're, you're going to someone with like, like a huge problem and, and like you, you, you know, screwed them over for doing something and you, you ask them, like you say, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and think about like, like the, the, the relief it is when they say, you know, it's okay. Like there's a huge relief that comes off our shoulders. It leads us to being grateful. The second thing is to ask for forgiveness constantly. This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I am the worst of them all. Personally, sometimes I feel like the chief of sinners. I do. Sin plagues us all because we are all flawed humans. And in Jonah's life, it plagued him through his rebellion. For me, I could list off a bunch of different things at different points in my life that I've, I've, I've struggled with. I've struggled with lust. I've struggled with jealousy. I've cheated in high school. I currently struggle with pride and humility on the constant. And I've ate so much humble pie, you'd think that it's my favorite flavor, yet I still struggle with it. Why? Because I love to be number one. I love to have control. I love for people to know the status that I have. And as I'm working on this problem, the sin in my life. There are many times when I want to tell some, somebody something that I did, and God's like, don't say it. And I have to work really hard to just sometimes literally bite my tongue so I don't speak it out. I have to ask for forgiveness from God so much so that, that I have a meeting with him two times a day. 
one in the morning when I, when I take Chewy out um, to, to, you know, use the bathroom after the night, um, spend a few minutes out there praying and, and asking for, for forgiveness. And then in the evening, similarly, take him out and just spend a few minutes out there praying and asking for forgiveness. And what I've known as I've done that for asking for forgiveness constantly, there's a huge relief. There's a huge peace that comes. And he's given, he's given us that through his grace. And so why not ask for forgiveness constantly? Jesus has forgiven you. He loves you. He believes in you. That's why he went to the cross. He went there for you. The more I ask for forgiveness, the more I realize in life that I need to change to be a better follower of him. Jonah cried out to God in the first nine verses of Jonah 2, asking for forgiveness, essentially. And he knew what he did in trying to run away from God, and, or running away from the Ninevites as well, was wrong. And after repenting, God showed him grace and mercy. When we choose to give up ourselves in full surrender to the love of Jesus and ask for his help, he will show you and show me forgiveness on the daily. The third thing is we need to leave. Uh, I, I, put a, I put a thumb up instead of three, but third thing is we need to leave shame and guilt with Jesus. That's why he came to earth. He came so that the sick people, as we read in, in Matthew, he came so that the sick people would have a doctor. The sinners would have a doctor, the outcast. He came to show that, that the outcasts were actually someone of value. Outcasts in scripture were often people who had immense shame in their lives of who they were. Some didn't even have a choice. They were just an outcast from the get-go, dealing with sicknesses, dealing with paralysis, dealing with, you know, being with, with equality, you know, just, just different things that, that brought them shame that they didn't even have a choice. Obviously, some were, were sinful, but Jesus came for, for, for the outcasts. He came for these people feeling regret and, and shame and guilt. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus said, put it on me. There's two verses um, that, that I think of when, when leaving shame and regret behind with Jesus. The first is in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Some of us feel like we're carrying heavy baggage, right? Sometimes we feel like we're carrying more than, than at different times. And Jesus wants to tell you, come here. Let me take that load off of you. I've got this. You enjoy a rest and leave it with this here with me. He loves to do so. So let him. Let him, let him take your baggage. Leave it with him. And then there's a, another set of scriptures that Paul talks about when he writes his letter uh, to the church at Philippi. It's uh, Philippians 3, 12 and 13. Some of you might, might recognize this scripture. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past of shame, guilt, and regret happens when we leave it with Jesus. When we leave it with Jesus, we can press on towards what lies ahead. 
as I talked about earlier when we work through it, because we hear a lot like, you know, uh, the, the forgetting what we've done. And, and in reality, we can't necessarily do that. I know, I know like there's things that I've worked through that, that I still remember, but, but I think what Paul is saying here is when we work through them, we forget the shame and the darkness that that once brought us, but I think we recognize the beautiful thing that Jesus has done through us in that, that we've worked past it, we're past it. That has no hold on us anymore because Jesus has forgiven it. He talks about time and time again of, of that, I've forgiven you. Remember, if you're here for the love like Jesus uh, from Wednesday, the, the, the girl that was, um, you know, literally shedding her tears on, on Jesus' feet, and, and he says, like, like this, this girl is weeping, and, and she knows that her sins are many. I've forgiven them. Some of us today, we might feel like our sins are many. And Jesus is saying, I've forgiven them. In the belly of the fish, I guarantee Jonah dealt with a ton of dark thoughts. Because often when we're in dark places, that's, that's where our mind runs to. The good news is Jonah cried out and gave uh, God gave him redemption. When the fish puked Jonah out, Jonah left that shame and guilt behind. And it's time for us to do the same as we walk this road of redemption. The road to living in redemption requires us to be grateful to God. We need to be asking for forgiveness constantly. We need to leave the shame and the guilt with Jesus. Redemption is your story. Redemption is my story. It's there waiting for you. Jesus is standing ahead of you with his hand outstretched, just like, like a father calling out to his son or daughter to grab it. He's saying to you, come, grab my hand. Go to him and let him walk this road of redemption by your side. Grace is messy, and sometimes it takes a fish puking you out like Jonah. And the beautiful thing is that that, that Jesus, he's done that for us. He gave himself to the cross so that we could live the redemptive lives that he's made us to live. Redemption is our story. All of our story. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and, and redemption. Thank you that, that all of the dark places that we've been, all the sins that we've committed, all the shame and guilt that we've, we've caused, thank you for forgiving that. And I pray, Jesus, that, that, that we, as, as uh, followers of Jesus, that we, we can continue to, to learn this road of redemption, that we continue to take it, that we continue to ask for forgiveness when we fall, and that we continue to, to seek to, to, to repent of those ways that, that we once walked. Thank you for being the God that you are. Thank you for Jesus who, who willingly sacrificed himself on the cross that we could, could live um, shameless and guiltless lives. I pray, Jesus, that, that as, as, as we have, have um, you know, work through this this morning, God, that we would just leave the shame and guilt with you, 
and that we run to the, the callings and purposes you've made us for, that we run in the freedom that, that you've given us today. In your name we pray. Amen.